Christmas morning, I was happily binge watching YouTube videos when my mother said to me, Ali, stop watching those videos. It's time for you to practice flute. You don't practice enough. And if you want to get better, you have to practice. And I sort of scowled and said, I'll do it later. But as I sat down later to practice, I started thinking about whether it really is true that the more you practice, the better it is for your playing. And I thought about this 10,000 hour theory that's often applied to music, that if you want to get truly talented at anything, for instance, if you want to become a concert pianist, the only way to achieve those goals is to practice for a total of 10,000 hours. And the phrase they use is deliberate practice. It's not just randomly playing, but focused practice that develops your playing in an efficient way. And I agree, I think efficient, deliberate practice does usually pay off. But I started thinking, is mastering one instrument what's really important? You know, I could practice the flute hours and hours a day and become a world-talented flautist. But is it not better to play more than one instrument and be in different ensembles on different instruments, developing versatility, etc.? And maybe, you know, maybe you're good at sports too, so you can put time into other fields instead of just perfecting only one instrument. And I think that line of questioning is really interesting and it brings us really nicely to what this episode's all about, which is, is it better to be a specialist or is it better to be a generalist? So I guess the best way to jump into this episode is just to ask that big question that you're all waiting for. Is it better to be a jack of all trades or a master in one? Jasmine, take it away. I think a lot of it depends on context or rather where you are in life, because once you get a job, you're pretty much, for most jobs, required to have a very specialist expert knowledge, you know? You wouldn't go to a doctor who doesn't know anything about the human body and you wouldn't hire an electrician who doesn't know the first thing about circuit boards. So in that way, I guess you could argue that it's very beneficial to be, you know, just a specialist. And yet it's ironic because although you're required to be a specialist when it comes to getting a job, throughout most of your education, and especially when it comes to getting into universities, you're very much encouraged to have a wide, broad range of interests and do lots of extracurriculars, especially in competitive unis where lots of people could have the same grades as you, so you require that competitive edge. And it's ironic because if we truly lived in a specialist world, it shouldn't matter, right? If you're studying to become a doctor and you have the best grades in biology, chemistry and maths, why should it matter that you play the violin or do martial arts? That doesn't help you be a doctor, but I think that's a, a very wrong way of looking at it. Because I definitely think you need to be both a generalist and a specialist, right? Yes, some of the activities you do and some of your interests might not seem to have anything to do with whatever you want to specialise in, but the skills you gain from them can help you improve in what you want to specialise in, and it just makes you a more interesting, diverse person. But in turn, having a broad interest is great and gives you depth, but without specialising anything, how much of an impact can you have, or where can you even use all these skills, you know? So I think, like, in a lot of ways and a lot of things in life, it's important to have a good balance between both having a broad and diverse interesting things and specialising in maybe one or two things so you can put your interest and the skills you've learned from them into one place. Yeah, I agree. I think the obvious answer to this question is you want to strike a balance between being a generalist and being a specialist. I like to lead more to the generalist side of things and say it's better to be a generalist. But I'd like to point out that success can be reached either way. And I read a really interesting article that demonstrates this incredibly well. 
It takes two famous athletes who are equally successful, but had totally different pathways to becoming so talented at their respective sports. This first example is quite famous. At 10 months, the boy climbed down from his high chair, waddled over to a golf club that had been made his size, and imitated the swing he had been watching in the garage. Then at two, he went on US television for the first time. And in the same year, when he was still two, he won the 10 and under division of golf. At three, his father was already playing the role of reporter and training him to handle media attention. And at four, he was playing golf eight hours a day. The little boy is, you guessed it, Tiger Woods. And as you can see, he very much went down a specialist route. He knew his strength and didn't hesitate to pursue it. But interestingly, here's an example which is quite a lot less famous, but apparently much more common in athletes. This boy played squash on Sundays, but he also did skiing, wrestling, swimming, skateboarding, and basketball, handball, tennis, table tennis, and badminton, and football at school. So as you can see, he took a much more generalist approach. His parents encouraged him to try a wide array of sports, and when the boy began to gravitate more towards tennis, apparently if they nudged him at all, it was to stop taking tennis so seriously. And there's actually a funny story about this. As a teen, he was good enough at tennis to get an interview with the local newspaper. But when asked what he would buy with a hypothetical first prize money from playing tennis, he answered, a Mercedes. And his mother was appalled to hear this. Oh, how can you be so materialistic? Why would you want a Mercedes? But the reporter let her listen to a recording of the interview and they realised there'd been a mistake. He didn't actually say Mercedes, like the car. He said mere CDs, as in he would want more CDs. But going back to my story, he was quite late to the game. Haha, <laughs> that's a pun there. He specialised in tennis a lot later than many of his competitors. But this didn't prevent him from becoming the one and only Roger Federer. So I think these two stories speak to how the important thing to success is actually your drive and your will, as opposed to which route you take, whether you're a specialist or a generalist. Yeah, I think we should start thinking of, like, why can't you be both a generalist and a specialist, right? It's definitely impossible to specialise in all your interests, but... The all-or-nothing mentality is pretty harmful, right? It can put you off from learning new things because you think, oh, I need to specialise in this one thing. Or if you're a generalist, you're like, well, I don't want to specialise in any one of these things because then I'll have to specialise in all of them. And that's not great for anyone, right? Going back to what you said about hard work and dedication, it's not going to be easy to pull it off, you know, have a good balance. And it definitely requires, you know, time, dedication and admittedly talent. But I think the fact that there is this whole binary in the first place of you can either only specialise in like one or two things or you have to have a vague, shallow interest in lots of things isn't really helpful in the first place. And on the general vein of being more generalist or specialist, Ali, do you think there's anything in the argument of the whole should you have a big group of friends or a small group of friends or does it not really matter? I think it depends on the person and so I definitely wouldn't say oh you have so few friends that's horrible because you might be really close to the friends you do have or not need so many friends and equally I wouldn't condone someone who had loads of friends saying you have way too many friends the connections must not be meaningful. I think As long as the friends that you do have are meaningful to you, it doesn't matter how many you have. 
That being said, I do think it's important to be friends with many different types of people, or just to be exposed to many different types of people. So if you are one of those people who spends all your time with just one or two people, I'd be wary of that potentially, because I do think it's important to surround yourself with people who are really different to you, have different cultures, different types of personalities, different interests, etc. So while I don't think there's anything wrong with having a small, tight circle of friends, I also think it's important to vary the people you spend time with to an extent and shake things up. Yeah, I think I agree with everything you just said. And like you, I probably tend more on the end of having more friends because I like having lots of friends, you know? I like people in general. And I think in life, the more people you know, the more interesting you also become as a person because you learn so much from just being around different people, like you said, you know? And I don't think, again, it's realistic to be able to say that I'm as close to all of my friends, you know? I think it'll be exhausting if you had to be super close friends with, like, ten people. But just because you have a lot of friends doesn't mean you can't also have close friends, you know? Being friends with lots of people doesn't mean I love my close friends less than someone who only has a few close friends. Which is why I think this problem is, again, just a false binary, you know? The whole lots of friends versus a small group of friends, whether explicitly stated or not, kind of implies that the larger group of friends you have, the less meaningful your connections are. And I don't think that's true at all. So I guess the conclusion is it doesn't really matter if you have a large group of friends or a small group of friends, as long as your connections you make with them are meaningful and you care about them. Adding to the conversation about how whether the binary of, you know, specialist versus generalist can restrict us, do you think any education systems restrict us by being either too generalist or too specialist? Well, I suppose there's an obvious sort of case study and direct comparison to make here in seeing whether it's more beneficial to have an education system which specialises earlier or later. And that is looking at the British education system versus the American education system. So in essence, the American system requires you to specialise a lot later than the British system. So instead of having to choose only four subjects to study when you're 16, and then picking only one or two to continue with onto uni, like in the British system, students continue to study pretty much all the subjects, such as English, math, sciences, foreign languages, history, art, music and PE, all the way to the end of secondary education. And then in the final two years of high school, American students are allowed to take, this is the bit I really like, they're allowed to take more than the required number of courses in areas which particularly interest them. So, for example, if you really like, you're a sucker for Italian Renaissance arts, you could take an Italian Renaissance art history class and see whether that's something that could interest you. And for applying to college, you don't apply for a particular subject but rather you apply as an all-round student and only specialise after two years of uni. But even then you can choose to major in a degree such as liberal arts, which is broad in itself and consists of many different subjects. In general, I tend to fall more on the generalist side of things. I'm more of an advocate for everyone having a strong foundation in every subject and really getting to know every subject well, so that when it does come to narrowing down, they can make the right decision. And I think in that way, the British education system can limit us because people are forced to make really important life decisions when they're in reality a bit clueless and don't really know enough about what it's properly like to study these subjects. 
On the other hand, I definitely do see the argument for specialising a bit earlier. You know, in the British system, you do go through GCSEs, so it's not like you have zero idea about which subjects you want to pursue. And I think there is an argument to be made that learning is supposed to be fun. And if you know you really hate studying maths and science, for instance, I can definitely see why it would make sense to let students drop those subjects when they've already had to study them for five years. And then obviously the other argument for specialising sooner is you can go into the workforce sooner and not everyone has the means to continue studying for ages and ages before specialising because uni fees are expensive in capital letters. Yeah, I definitely see how specialising earlier definitely sets you up better if you're going into the workplace after getting a secondary education. But for me, I find it quite daunting to have to try and specialise at 16, 17, you know? Like you said, specialising is mostly beneficial for the workplace, and I don't really have any idea, well, I don't really have much idea of what career I want to go into, because I have lots of interests, right? And that's why I'm taking five A-levels instead of the usual three, because it leaves options open for me and I get to study all the things I love. And it does feel quite restrictive, but I can also definitely understand why it happens, you know? You're prepping for uni where people only study pretty much one subject in death and it gets you ready for your career and you get deeper knowledge on subjects you love. But as someone who loves a lot of subjects, it can seem a bit wasteful to have to limit yourself so soon, especially when pretty much up to this point you're encouraged to love all your subjects and, you know, have a broad interest. But at the end of the day, I think both education systems have pretty similar outlooks in which they try to keep the balance for as long as possible. Perhaps America leaning more to the generalist and England more to the specialist. But either way, I don't think either of them are extreme enough to the point where you feel very, very, very restricted. Before we move on to our next section, I just wanted to raise a question to our listeners, and we'd really appreciate it if you could share us your answers to the question, which is, to what extent do you think parents influence whether their children are more specialists or generalists? You know, we saw when talking about Tiger Woods that much of the reason he was such a golf specialist was because of his father, and because of how much his father pushed him in golf from a young age. But that's obviously quite an extreme example, so I'd be curious to know our listeners' thoughts on this. Maybe you can write down in a notebook near you a reminder to send us your answers to this question. But going on to our next question, Yasmin, do you think our world is becoming more specialist or generalist? As funny as it might sound, I think that the world is demanding that you are both more specialist and more generalist. So... Not only do schools and jobs want the best specialists in terms of, you know, they want you to have these niche qualifications and be extremely good at the one thing or like the specific task that the job entails, but they also want you to be able to have wider interests like juggle or swim or play an instrument. And this probably comes from it being so competitive to get into unis and jobs these days. And I think it's a good thing because obviously a good balance makes you into a more interesting deep person like I mentioned before but it's kind of starting to get to a point where it's almost implausible to live up to both being an amazing generalist 
and an amazing specialist. I mean, on a person-to-person level, it's already a very hard thing to do to be able to balance, you know, being a specialist in the genres, like we mentioned before. But on a wider scale, it, like, it even increases things like inequality, because obviously families with more money and connections can afford to put their children through more extracurricular opportunities, or just find better opportunities for them, like getting work experience or anything. And although I think it's good that things other than grades are considered when applying for unis and jobs, I think it's also important to remember that it's not really entirely realistic for everyone to be able to do four extracurricular activities and get the best grades. So I don't think that standard should really be normalised either. Yeah, I think those are really good points. And I think you've presented a very nuanced argument there, Yasmin. Personally, I think there is a misconception where people think our world is requiring you to be more and more of a, more and more a specialist You know, the amount of times I've heard people around me say the most successful people are the ones with the really unique, niche skill sets. But actually, possibly because of this mindset, being a generalist is now more important than ever, in my opinion. And this doesn't just apply to concrete skills and achievements, but also just being a generalist in terms of your all-round character. You know, being able to get along with anyone and everyone, I would say, is maybe more important than having a niche skill set. And in fact, my mother told me about how Google hire. They do obviously look at your background in tech, but one of the main things they look for is whether you're a googly person. And some of the qualities to be googly are being honest and fair, having a sense of humour and doing nice things for other people. Now, I guess I've started talking about more soft skills as opposed to generalist versus specialist. But altogether, I think as companies are becoming more and more niche, It's becoming more and more important to hire people who will be able to adapt and carry out whatever task effectively across a wide range of fields. And something else I read in an article about this was that while a study showed that early career specialists earn more than others after college, later specialists made up for the head start by finding work that better suited their skills and personalities. And I guess this is a nice end to the episode, that being a jack of all trades is not necessarily a bad thing because it may mean that you end up finding a career which suits you even better. And so I think people need to start changing how they view jacks of all trades, as having immense value in the workforce due to their range of adaptable skills. I came across a lovely illustration in a book by Charles Mackenzie the other day, and I thought it would be a nice heartwarming way to end our episode. This message is for jacks of all trades, like myself, who wish they were masters in one. What's your best discovery? asked the mole. That I'm enough as I am, said the boy. And with that, Yasmin, let's wrap this up. Over and out.